0: Check, check, am I on? Can you hear me? (laughs) That remains to be seen. We shall see, said the blind man. Beyond failure, beyond fatigue, and beyond fear, is a life of faith. Faith like a child. Like a child of God. It's always good for us to step back out of our culture and time and our country to the deeper reality in the Word of God. The vulnerable nature of childhood and the consequences we carry into adulthood and the dynamic between the two has seen a number of changes in recent decades. But God's nature hasn't changed. God's word hasn't changed. Nor have his purposes for children and parents. There's one specific interaction recorded in the three synoptic gospels between Jesus and a group of children. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I'll be reading from Mark 10, 13 to 16, but it's also referenced in Luke 18, 16, and in Matthew 19, 14. Mark 10, 13 to 16. Some people were bringing little children to him so he might touch them. But his disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I assure you, whoever does not welcome the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Indignant? We don't hear that very often, describing the response of our Lord and Savior. It's interesting. There's a natural attraction between parents and children. An understood connection and trust. <clears throat> God stirs us up in this awareness as we move in his direction. And we are to help others move in the same direction, like what Tom was talking about. We're not supposed to hinder them. Even if they don't move like we do, or respond like we do, or see him quite the same way we see him. Let us not be guilty of getting in the way of someone seeking Jesus. Let us be known for opening the way, not for trying to keep it shut. And let us not be found getting between the father and another of his children. Indignant will be the mildest of descriptors, as anyone who's seen a parent coming to the aid of a persecuted child can attest. How many of you have been that parent on a time or two? Yeah. Parents, when your child is suffering, do you see their faults, their mistakes, their weaknesses? Do we not rather see only the one we love? Do we expect our Heavenly Father to see more critically and less lovingly than we do? If we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more will our Father in Heaven give us what we need and reach out to help us in spite of our failures? Jesus didn't make Peter apologize before helping him into the boat out of the angry sea. We must be like him in that way. Let us help others to find the God who sees past our failures beyond failure. Romans chapter 8, in the section 14 through 17, says, If we are children, then we are also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. In Ephesians The section, uh, chapter 4, verse 17, through chapter 5, verse 8, says, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children. We are designed to imitate our maker, even in our suffering, so that we may be made even more like him in his eternal holiness. We are made to enjoy with him what he has made, and to enjoy him. Now that's a mouthful. There's a lot of him to enjoy. You think of all the strange people that you know or know of. God made them. You can't give what you don't have. He made them out of who he is. That's a lot of different for God to have. And that's the highest good anyone can have is to know him. We're made for it, destined inexorably to receive it. If we will but remain in the path he has marked for us. What a loving father to make it so clear, even though it's not easy. Offer him what you have, even if you feel depleted with nothing to offer. Like the widow's two mites. Or the five small loaves and two fish of the little boy, or the staff of Moses the stutterer. In our own strength, we can do just about nothing. In his strength, we can do whatever he wants us to do, even while we suffer, even in our weakness, even beyond fatigue. Again, in Romans chapter 8, verses 20 and 21, that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. 2 Corinthians three 17, I'm sure you're all familiar with this one. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. We are made for freedom, which is found in obedience. We were called in Genesis to forcefully manage all of creation in the same direction, freedom-filled obedience. This kind of life, trusting all to the one who is beyond our control, who knows and claims our every thought, word, and deed, seems difficult, if not impossible, and completely vulnerable. But when we walk with him, when we do trust in him, we find him faithful, comforting, always bearing the larger share of suffering, and bearing us too. There is security in his every adventure, Freedom within all his requirements. He calls us to a life beyond fear as it is beyond our ability to control. Beyond fear. Again in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you receive the spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16, includes this verse. So that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. In the passage of John chapter 8, verses 38 to 44, there's a lot of arguing back and forth between the Pharisees and those following Jesus and Jesus himself. You are of your father the devil, he says. We have one father, they say. God, we are Abraham's descendants, they claim. Apparently, Jesus didn't think so. We children of God drawn close to the source of all light and life cannot help but shine, reflecting His nature and His glory. And as the light of a star cannot be missed against the black sky, so the light of the child of God cannot be missed against the dark world into which we are sent as reflectors of our Father. We will not be mistaken for the other team. Our uniform is not hard to see. The world and our enemy can tell who we belong to. And because it's Palm Sunday, I was reading this passage in Matthew, chapter 21, the other day. And they, <laughs> the Pharisees get mad at him again, but it's not so much for what he's doing, it's for what other people are doing. They unconsciously betray the fact that they trust him, because they come to him to say, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Do you not hear what they're saying? Yes. Jesus hears. Get them to stop. Jesus says, quoting Psalm 8.3, Have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you've perfected praise. Do you not hear what they are saying? He hears. We do not need to remind him of what's going on in the world. He, however, must often remind us of what we've forgotten about, about what is true. For the eternal things will remain, no matter what we see in the moment. In John 1.12 it says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name. In 1 John chapter 2 and 3, this is how God's children and the devil's children are made evident. Our world likes to see proof. The Jews always wanted signs. Our enemy creates confusion, and many follow the lies that are out there. But judgment is not our job. Rescue is our job. As Aslan said, in the Chronicles of Narnia, all names will soon be restored to their proper owners. In the meantime, we will not dispute about them. Our God knows who's who, and he always fulfills his promises. We walk not a life guided by mere sight or only by signs or only by proofs. We walk a life of faith, a life of trust and authority, above and beyond us, a life of faith in God himself. A life of faith. In the Gospels, Jesus uses the phrase the faith of of a child, faith like a child. As adults, we struggle with that. We struggle to keep our childlike faith. It's like we know too much. There's a reason, I think, that God told Eve, this is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you eat of it, you will die. Something inside of us dies as we grow a little bit. We can't go back to the innocence of childhood once we're out of it. At least not very easily. We know our own sinfulness. We know our unworthiness. We know, as Peter said, that we are sinful and God should depart from us. For there's a profound separation between holy and sinful. But we do not know Only our own sinfulness. We do not know only our unworthiness. As children of God, we know more. We know God's glory and mercy and power and love beyond our broken world and our broken hearts. We do not yet know Him completely nor do we yet follow him consistently. But we have tastes, hints, bits of the glory that we hold dear. We find reasons to hope again beyond ourselves, beyond our childhood imaginations and our adult understanding. We have grown through childhood and through worldly adulthood to the childlike adulthood of a child. God. Our faith is in him, especially when our imaginations, experience, and understanding fall short. He has shown us that he is so much more than what we find in our hearts or in our broken world. And he has promised to fix the broken, heal the hurting, and guide the ignorant. And we see him do that already. When my daughter Olivia was younger, she liked to climb. Still does, but and she doesn't do this anymore. She would climb up on something about, I don't know, about as high as me. My back would be turned or I'd be busy doing something else. And she would say, Daddy, catch me! <laughs> Praise the Lord for parent reflexes. I finally got it through to her that she needed to ask me first. Before just taking a flying leap off of whatever she was on. Thankfully, I never dropped her, but man, I got scared there for a few minutes. (laughs) A child's faith is bold and free and untested. An adult's faith is often weary, weary, but well-tested. Child of God's faith can be both bold and wary, free and tested, full and tempered. For we have our faith in God's character, beyond our imagination, beyond our feelings, beyond our understanding. He works in ways beyond our fears, failures, and fatigue. To walk with him is to walk by faith in him. It is the best of both a child's faith and an adult's faith. The faith of the child of God. On Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem as the prophet, healer, and teacher that he always was. The gospel accounts foreshadow both the contrasting attitude of that same crowd less than a week later as Jesus is crucified, and even more triumphant second coming of Christ, not just as Savior, but as priest and king, as he always was. The crowd that day, like a child, believed what they wanted, Believed what they imagined was true. They had faith in their imaginations, like children do. And these were partly supported by their experiences with this same Jesus healings, multiplyings of food, words of authority, raising people from the dead might get the imagination going. But like a child, they interpreted everything by their desire of the moment primarily for political victory, untempered by the truth of the word, by the other messages of this same Messiah. Messages so difficult and unexpected that many had turned away and had argued with him and each other and been rebuked for false belief. They'd even forgotten that some of them had already tried to kill this same man, that their religious leaders were always at odds with him, Their faith was childlike in that it was placed in something small. Big as our imaginations are, they are tiny compared to our God. Jesus, like a parent, because, well, he created us all, didn't he? Remained unfazed or diverted by the crowd with him in this moment, or the Pharisees against him at every moment. He remembered that these same crowds had turned away before, even tried to kill him more than once. Total self-control and focus on his father's purpose was always a characteristic of this amazing man. He has overcome as we never could. Every parent must overcome their child at some point. And our Father has certainly overcome us, our world, and our enemy. He remains the same even while we swing from one extreme to another. Like children do. Maybe you've experienced this. We used to say that one of our children was six going on 16. I want, I want, I want. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. There's a scene in the movie tangle that illustrates this. The girl with the long blonde hair has finally been freed from the castle tower. I say freed. She decided to escape. She always had this ability, but she decided one day to finally exercise it, which causes some conflict inside of her because her mother has always wanted her to stay in it. So she gets out and (laughs) the scene in The movie splices from, best day ever! She's swinging around, running around the tree. And the very next scene, I am a terrible daughter. Back and forth. I'm so glad our God's not that way. (laughs) He works all things, all things together for our good. He works in us to know and to do his good will. And he will work unstoppably until the day of Jesus Christ. He does this even for those of his children who fail to acknowledge him and even choose to fight against him and his other children, such as Paul once did. Sounds like father of the forever to me. In the story of Palm Sunday, there's another part that I think shows the parent-child relationship that God has for us. In Luke 13, 34, and in Matthew 23, 37, after coming into Jerusalem, Jesus sort of steps aside, maybe out of the way of traffic, maybe, maybe not, but he it it's kind of an aside to the narrative. And he laments. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. How often I wanted to gather you under my wings as a mother hen does its chicks. And you would not. There's almost some, some bitterness in there. Some deep agonizing going on. We don't hear him do this very often, although this is not the only time. He laments for Jerusalem, for she is unaware of her pending destruction, consequence of her unwillingness to come to her father for truth, safety, and provision. As a people, the Jews have failed to recognize their Messiah in Jesus Christ, so they deviate from the path walked first by the disciples and soon after the church. Even in that right path, we the church sometimes think we can find what we always wanted and needed without the parent who made us and knows what we need and how to give it to us. Our father, like a good parent, loves us, reminds us of the truth, reveals to us things as we are able to bear them, and helps us bear those things that are too much for our own strength. And he requires... A rather extreme commitment. Everything. He gives no apology. As a good parent also does. Lest we begin to protest God's requirements, we should remember our Father and Savior have suffered far more than any of us. And never require anything of us for that suffering. As a good parent would. For it is love that compels him, as it is love that compels a good parent for their child. That love, that eternal affection for his children, is revealed in this lament for Jerusalem, in Jesus' anguish for a straying child. Be reassured. Then if you have a child who is or has strayed, God understands exactly how you suffer for them as long as they are astray. He understands what it means to you and how deeply you feel the loss and the pain. This lament is part of the proof of his understanding and love. Thankfully, the lament is not the last word or the last proof of God's immeasurable love for his children. Time and again throughout the Gospels, Jesus gently corrects his disciples' understanding. He does so without hesitation, but he also carefully encourages all of them out of whatever strong feelings they're in at the moment and into the next step of obedience. The attitude to maintain after the moment passes. Because he knows, as all parents know, that this moment and the feeling that goes with it will not last. This too shall pass. He knows, as all parents know, that failure is not fatal, that victory is not final, for another set of moments will come after these, and then more again. He knows where Jerusalem's story is going and where it will end. Not even the best parents among us can make that claim. We may have some insights, hopes, or expectations, but we do not operate in the eternal certainty of the omnipotent. But the one who does says this to his children from Revelation chapter 1. Don't be afraid. Fear not. I am the first and the last And the living one. I was dead. But look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in the grave. Revelation chapter 7. Verses 9 and 17. After this I looked. And there was a vast multitude. From every nation. Tribe. People and language. Which no one could number. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. For the Lamb, who is at the center of the throne, will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of the waters of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God will have the last word. And what a good word it is. Beyond fatigue, beyond failure, beyond fear, is a life of faith. We can be God's children and have the faith of a child while growing into the stature of the fullness of the very adult Christ. If we stay connected to the vine, if his words abide in us and we in him, if we hide his word in our hearts, if we remain in fellowship with one another, if we submit to the Lord and resist the devil, if we keep in step with the Spirit, growing up in the body of Christ, we cannot help but imitate our Father and reflect our Father and spill over with all of him that has filled us. We were appointed to bear fruit. Fruit that should remain. remain. We are called to be salt so that many will thirst for the water of life. As children, we bring the kingdom. For we are the kingdom. And we are indwelt by the spirit of the king. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead. So let us be clearly known as the children we are with faith, like a child of God, growing children of the best father ever. Want to come over to my dad's house? I think you might really like him. Thank you, James. I want to remind you of... uh... Our Holy Week services this.